The Blunt Post with Vic. Good morning, happy Monday, and welcome to The Blunt Post with Vic. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, the editor and publisher of The Blunt Post. The Blunt Post with Vic is a program that covers national, regional, and local headline news, offers analysis and commentary, and I interview members of Congress, local elected officials, and other high-profile public figures. After the headlines, and let's get blunt, my guest is the very fierce Azerbaijani feminist and activist, Ayla Ahmadova. Ayla is here to discuss homophobia and anti-LGBT brutality in Azerbaijan, as well as the recent beheading of a gay journalist and activist. So stay tuned. Here are some uh, news headlines from over the weekend and this morning. Vladimir Putin has said Ukraine's statehood will be threatened if its leaders continue to resist his military invasion. He also described Western sanctions on Russia as akin to declaration of war. He added he would consider countries imposing a no-fly zone over Ukraine as participating in the conflict. NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg said on Friday that a no-fly zone is not an option being considered by the alliance. Former President Donald Trump and a right-wing lawyer were part of a criminal conspiracy to overturn the 2020 presidential election. The House Select Committee investigating the January 6th Capitol riot alleges in a court filing Wednesday. The Justice Department has charged more than 750 participants, including some it says engaged in conspiracies in the pro-Trump riot at the U.S. Capitol, which interrupted Congress from its session certifying the election. The U.S. economy added 678,000 jobs in February and unemployment fell to 3.8%, the lowest level since the pandemic took hold. President Biden struck a similar note in his State of the Union address last week, saying that because of vaccines, new treatments, and falling caseloads, COVID-19 need no longer control our lives. The pandemic has been punishing, and so many families are living paycheck to paycheck, struggling to keep up with the rising cost of food, gas, housing, and so much more. My dad had to leave his home in Scranton, Pennsylvania, to find work. So like many of you, I grew up in a family when the price of food went up, it was felt throughout the family. It had an impact. That's when one of the first things I did as president was fight to pass the American Rescue Plan. Because people were hurting, we needed to act, and we did. Few pieces of legislation have done more at a critical moment in our history to lift us out of a crisis. It fueled our efforts to vaccinate the nation and combat COVID-19 delivered immediate economic relief to tens of millions of Americans. It helped put food on the table. Unlike the $2 trillion tax cut passed in the previous administration that benefited the top 1 percent of Americans, the American Rescue Plan — the American Rescue Plan helped working people and left no one behind. Folks, we created jobs, lots of jobs. In fact, our economy created over 6.5 million new jobs just last year. More jobs in one year than ever before in the history of the United States of America. 
The economy grew at a rate of 5.7 last year, the strongest growth rate in 40 years, and the first step in bringing fundamental change to our economy that hasn't worked for working people in this nation for too long. That's why my top priority is getting prices under control. Look, our economy roared back faster than almost anyone predicted, but the pandemic meant that businesses had a hard time hiring enough people because of the pandemic to keep up production in their factories. And so we have a choice. One way to fight inflation is to drive down wages and make Americans poorer. I think I have a better idea to fight inflation. Lower your costs, not your wages. And folks, that means make more cars and semiconductors in America. More infrastructure and innovation in America. More goods moving faster and cheaper in America. More jobs where you can earn a good living in America. Instead of relying on foreign supply chains, let's make it in America. There's been a law on the books for almost a century to make sure taxpayers' dollars support American jobs and businesses. Every administration, Democrat and Republican, says they'll do it. But we're actually, we're actually doing it. We'll buy America to make sure every, everything from the deck of an aircraft carrier to the steel on highway guardrails is made in America from beginning to end. All of it. All of it. America used to have the best roads, bridges, and airports on Earth. And now our infrastructure is ranked 13th in the world. We won't be able to compete for the jobs of the 21st century if we don't fix it. That's why it was so important to pass the bipartisan infrastructure law. And I thank my Republican friends who joined to invest and rebuild America. It was a bipartisan effort, and I want to thank the members of both parties who worked to make it happen. We're done talking about infrastructure weeks. We're now talking about an infrastructure decade. Just a few days ago, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention issued a new mask guidelines. Under the new guidelines, most Americans and most of the country can now go mask-free. And based on projections, and based on projections, more of the country will reach a point across that point across the next couple of weeks. And thanks to the progress we've made in the past year, COVID-19 no longer need control our lives. I know some are talking about living with COVID-19, but tonight I say that we never will just accept living with COVID-19. We'll continue to combat the virus as we do other diseases. And because this virus mutates and spreads, we have to stay on guard. We have the tools we need. It's time for America to get back to work and fill our great downtowns again with people. People working from home can feel safe and begin to return to their offices. We're doing that here in the federal government. The vast majority of federal workers will once again work in person. Our schools are open. Let's keep it that way. Our kids need to be in school. <clears throat> Let's take on mental health, especially among our children whose lives and education have been turned upside down. The American Rescue Plan gave schools money to hire teachers and help students make up for lost learning. I urge every parent to make sure your school, 
Your school does just that. They have the money. We can all play a part. Sign up to be a tutor or a mentor. Children were also struggling before the pandemic. Bullying, violence, trauma, and the harms of social media. As Frances Haugen, who is here tonight with us, has shown, we must hold social media platforms accountable for the national experiment they're conducting on our children for profit. It is in this moment that our character of this generation is formed. Our purpose is found. Our future is forged. Well, I know this nation. We'll meet the test. Protect freedom and liberty. Expand fairness and opportunity. And we will save democracy. As hard as those times have been, I'm more optimistic about America today than I've been my whole life, because I see the future that's within our grasp because I know there's simply nothing beyond our, our capacity. We're the only nation on Earth that has always turned every crisis we faced into an opportunity. The only nation that can be defined by a single word, possibilities. So on this night, on our 245th year as a nation, I've come to report on the state of the nation, the state of the union. And my report is this. The State of the Union is strong because you, the American people, are strong. We are stronger today. We are stronger today than we were a year ago. And we'll be stronger a year from now than we are today. This is our moment to meet and overcome the challenges of our time. And we will, as one people, one America, the United States of America. God bless you all, and may God protect our troops. Representative Karen Bass and LA City Councilman Kevin DeLeon are polling first and second, respectively, in the Los Angeles mayoral race, but a greater number of voters still are not sure who they'll vote for on June 7th primary, according to a survey released Wednesday by Loyola Marymount University. Bass and DeLeon were the only candidates to receive support in double digits, with 16.1% of surveyed registered voters saying they would vote for Bass and 12.1% saying they would vote for DeLeon. But more than 41% of voters said they would either choose someone else than the candidates included in the survey or didn't yet know who they would vote for in the primary. Let's get blunt. Well, it's time to get blunt, and I won't hold anything back. Uh, I'm going to talk about how the international community, our own leaders, world leaders, NGOs, agencies, and other organizations have double standards uh, when it comes to human life, human dignity, and freedom. Uh, I'll explain what I'm talking about. I'm let me just start by saying that I'm very happy and pleased to see that the invasion of Ukraine by Russia is getting the attention that it deserves, and the world is reacting fast to try to stop it and try to sanction and stop Russia as soon as possible uh, before even more devastation is caused. But it's also made me think as an Armenian-American who just a year and a half ago witnessed Artsakh, also known as Nagorno-Karabakh, 
went through the same exact, almost exact thing, where an independent state was invaded by Azerbaijan and Turkey, and the international community was just definitely silent and did almost nothing. Except for France, they did almost nothing. Why the double standard? Why the hypocrisy? Both Ukraine and Artsakh are striving for independence, freedom, right to self-determination, and they want human rights. That's it. So why were Armenians of Artsakh ignored, or still ignored? Instead, some of these organizations, and also media outlets, resorted to just lazy both-sidedism and false balance, and let Azerbaijan and Turkey, with help from ISIS, and Syrian, Libyan, and Pakistani mercenaries they brought in and paid $2,000 a month to slaughter over 5,000 Armenians in 44 days. These mercenaries were paid $100 bonuses for every Armenian beheaded alive, and there are videos of this that I will never unsee. There are so many of them. Okay? The most barbaric thing happened in 2020, but most of the world doesn't even know about it because the most of the world didn't care. Because Armenia is a tiny nation of 2.9 million with not much of any natural resources. And Artsakh is a state of 150,000, again, with not much of natural resources. Some of its gold mines are now occupied by Azerbaijan. So the world ignored it. And on, in, in the meantime, Azerbaijan, a, a huge oil and gas producing nation, that supplies a lot of that to the West. Uh, none of these nations wanted to offend uh, its authoritarian dictator, Aliyev, which is no better than Putin. And they also allowed Turkey, a NATO nation, a member of NATO, to orchestrate this and help Azerbaijan to plan this and to bring all the mercenaries and the most sophisticated weaponry and massacre 5,000 plus Armenians in 44 days, targeting maternity hospitals and schools and churches and residential areas. And we watched in just in shock and horror the devastation that was happening, just like Ukraine. But there wasn't much happening from the UN or the European Union or Council of Europe or CSTO or uh, OSCE, or the UK Parliament, or Human Rights Watch, or Amnesty, or NATO, or Human Rights First. I can go on and on and on and on. But now we see a lot of these same politicians and leaders get on their soapbox with their, you know, fantastical sound bites and rhetoric, talk about human rights and freedom and self-determination uh, and independence. Well, guess what? Armenians of Artsakh not only want the same thing, but they deserve the same thing. But you didn't care. Is it because they're not white enough? Or because there's not enough oil or any oil that you can get from Azerbaijan, I mean, Artsakh or Armenia? You know, and I'm not even going to go into the Azerbaijan laundromat and how much hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars of bribing uh, that happened with the Azerbaijan laundromat and caviar diplomacy. 
to make sure that these organizations, that these world leaders and elected officials uh, are quiet and do nothing about it. So there it is, the, the hypocrisy. And this isn't the first time in history this has happened. Right now, there is a genocide happening in Ethiopia. How many people know about it? What are these agencies doing about it? Yemen has been going through a genocide for almost a decade now. What's happening? What are they doing for them? Nothing, because guess what? There is a difference. Not all humans are treated equal. Yemen isn't white, neither is Ethiopia. And Ethiopia doesn't have oil or gas or anything else uh, you know, major that it can offer to the West. But I think that we would all agree that they deserve the same human rights as the rest of us. So let's just be honest. Let's just be honest that when it comes to these uh, fantastical concepts that are uh, leaders, so-called leaders, uh, and these politicians uh, talk about now, that they're all conditional. They're conditional and they are, they are reserved for certain kind of people and certain type of countries that have to do with resources and a lot more. So there it is, let's just get blunt about it. Let's get blunt. This is Jackson Brown. I've been listening to KPFK since I was a teenager. Then and now, KPFK has been a lifeline to vital information without which we would be at the mercy of corporate media and commercial interests that control it. There are so many programs that I've listened to regularly and so many instances when I've come upon the unexpected, the unknown, and the sublime. Join me and become a member today at kpfk.org. Now more than ever before, it's essential to keep supporting KPFK and the free exchange of ideas and cultural viewpoints that foster our democracy. And the number, which is the only number I know actually by heart, 818-985-5735. KPFK. I came for inspiration. I came Blunt Post with Vic. My guest Ayla Ahmedova is a 19-year-old anarcha feminist and an activist. She's originally from Azerbaijan and is now studying psychology in college. Hello, Ayla. Thank you for being on the Blunt Post with Vic. How are you today? Hello. Um, hello, Vic. Uh, nice to meet you. Uh, and I'm doing pretty good today. How are you? I'm well. Glad to be speaking with you. Now you are, um, right now, it is nighttime in Azerbaijan. Yes, it is uh, 9.30 p.m. Okay, and you live, you live in Baku? Uh, no, because of my studies right now, I'm living in Turkey, in Istanbul. Oh, okay, so you're, okay, so you're in Turkey right now. Yeah, I am. Okay, okay, I'm glad we clarified that. Super, so, but you are originally from Azerbaijan. Yeah, I'm from Azerbaijan. Okay, fantastic. So. Um, First, I just want to ask you a general, um, you know, you, you are a heterosexual woman. However, uh, you're an ally of the LGBTQ community and you're very well aware of what is happening uh, in Azerbaijan and whatnot uh, in terms of homophobia and queer rights um, and the recent incidents that happened there. So uh, my first, first question is a general uh, what is your perspective and take on what's been happening? 
All right. So to start to talk about me, myself, even though I am um, seeing myself as a heterosexual woman, uh, however, this doesn't um, take any right out of me that I'm not going to be the defender of LGBTQ plus community because I have friends, I have surrounding, uh, and generally I'm a feminist activist um, since it's been already uh, three or more years. And that's why I've been more engaged about those top topics um, for almost four or three or four years, let's say. Uh, however, how do we actually decide that there, there are some rights that we need to defend? There are some rights that actually people uh, are going against to it. And not only people, but mainly the state, the Azerbaijan in this term as well. So uh, my point, from my point of view, I can say that, um, especially recently, just because people uh, from LGBTQ plus communities start to raise their voice up even more, um, the, the situation in, in my country become even more tense as well. Like uh, people faced with uh, homophobic uh, reactions, they uh, on the streets, they are not able to walk alone uh, because there are, there are some possibilities that they will be stabbed, they will be bullied, they will be harassed, even on the street. And unfortunately, none of the governmental uh, places, neither police nor even ombudsman will take action on it and will consider our voice um, as their voice to speak up for us as well. That's the recent things that going on, unfortunately. Understandable. It's a very common thread in many countries. And uh, uh, just to add to what you said, I, I applaud you because uh, absolutely, just because you're heterosexual uh, doesn't mean anything because uh, there's so much intersectionality. Uh, I'm a feminist and uh, human rights are human rights. You know, it's uh, whether it's, uh, you know, LGBTQ rights or women's rights or rights of people with disabilities, et cetera. So um, thank you. Thank you for, you know, being an ally and, a, and an activist. Why do you think that um, the LGBTQ community in Azerbaijan has chosen now to sort of elevate and uh, go into a little bit more of an activism for their rights? Nice, uh, it's a nice topic to think about it because, um, you know, um, actually, to, firstly, to talk about the feminism, it was also not very much um, prominent activism uh, in Azerbaijan. However, it, it become a thing. And that's why people start to see that, yeah, there are people, there are communities who can support us, who can be with us. like people start to see they are around, they are surrounding, that they are not alone uh, in their own ways. Um, and even though before there were people who were hiding their identities or just because of the society, just because of uh, the difficulties that they will um, face economically or socially. Um, however, now they start to see that um, we all together and we all actually um, want the same goal. We have the same goal. We, we want to reach that goal. Uh, for this reason, they start to become more, um, how to say, they start to become more active. They start to become 
to speak up actually all in all and that's that's what i um what i'm proud of recently uh and yeah i can say it like that if you have further questions regarding that maybe i can yeah. skip some no you're, ver you're very clear it's really about um obviously awareness and also uh intersectionality again realizing that different oppressed groups that are discriminated can together be more powerful because at the end of the day they have the same objective which is equal rights equality and human rights if you're just joining us this is the blunt post with vic on kpfk 90.7 fm i am your host vic jarami and you are listening to my interview with azerbaijani anarcha feminist and activist Ayla Ahmadova. Let me ask you this. Homophobia, um, the reasons I should say, are many. And in different nations, cultures, it's, it stems from different things. What do you think is the basis of homophobia in Azerbaijan? Uh, well, the main reason uh, is because I feel like that it's the traditions that we have raised with it, it within it. Um, for example, I have even though like our area is like Caucasia, right? So even in those area, I have traveled, like unfortunately I, I was unable to travel Armenia, but I've traveled to Georgia. And I saw that there, there are even more people, maybe they have started the activism beforehand. Maybe it, it is one of the reason that I see more. However, when I was around them, I saw that the youngsters are more aware that there are rights to defend or there, there are um, like people are different than each other. So we should not blame them just because of their gender or so on. Uh, when I was comparing those two nations, let's say, um, I see that we have historical you know, background together with Georgia. However, just because of some, um, maybe some religious um re some religious uh, part of us can affect on it and also um again as i said the traditions that we have raised with like um women had their own um, women had their own places men had their own places and only um they can be the partners with each other um they cannot like divorce and so on and if the people are from different uh genders it means they are um like they are dirty they are not right they are uh their ways are wrong and they will go to hell and so on and of course uh later on this all traditions and all those reasons um was grabbed together and also reflected itself on the on let's say on the TVs because our we don't have free media we don't have freedom of speech in my country that's why only platform we are using right now is all our social medias to to speak up and we we should consider that not everyone is uh, using social medias yeah there are a huge amount of people like. A lot of people who are using but there are people in the villages and other places that we don't we cannot reach them and i'm pretty sure there are people even there who don't feel themselves belong to that um community let's say sure. and they feel alone so all in all um I, I need to say that because of the tv channels in in my country it is also reflected that it's bad 
to be part of LGBTQ plus community. It's bad to have, um, like, to be homosexual, let's say, in general. That state, state, the state, and, and promoted homophobia and uh, discrimination. If you're just joining us, this is The Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. I am your host, Vic Jarami, and you are listening to my interview with Azerbaijani anarcho-feminist and activist Ayla Ahmadova. I want to talk about what recently happened to journalist and activist Avaz uh, Halizli. Uh, Avas Hafizli. Avas Hafizli. Yeah. yeah, who was who was murdered and I believe beheaded um, by, as they say, it was his cousin who did it. And I've heard sort of conflicting stories. Um, tell me about that case that just happened about a week ago. Sure. First of all, I will talk about who was Avas, uh, all in all, and then later on I will move on to what what happened recently. Uh, last year, starting from last year, there were um, there were an um, influencer blogger uh, who was called Sevin Shusenova, and uh, she started to uh, share on social media that um, the people from LGBTQ plus community shouldn't uh, eat in the same places in the same restaurants that we are eating our meals. They should have different city to live on, um, and she started to actually call people uh, for their deaths. It's like, I know there are some real men uh, in Azerbaijan who will actually um, kill them whenever they see them. It's and after violence. all, it is violent yeah. and it is calling people for violence, which is illegal. And at that time, Avaz, um, Avaz Hafizli, uh, he was a journalist and LGBTQ plus um, community defender LGBTQ plus rights defender, and he started to speak up. Uh, as far uh, as far as may, you can guess that uh, in our country, as I said before, there's no freedom, there's no freedom of speech. We cannot even talk about what is freedom of speech to them, because as soon as we have protests, the police are coming, grabbing us and put, pulling us to the um, police stations and so on. But even in those hard times, Avaz was the one who speaked up, even alone, on the city centers. Um, and uh, unfortunately, even those times, uh, when it was Pride Month's time this year, uh, 2021, there were a lot of people who were attacked by uh, normal like citizens of, uh, of Baku. Uh, and in all of those times, actually, we would clearly see, and I personally got to know him since that time, that he was the one who was speaking up. Uh, he went, he went with the with the flag of LGBTQ um, communities flag to the to the in front of the Azerbaijani um, Ministry of something. I've forgotten. I'm sorry, but he was there. He chained himself there. Um, he was doing a lot active, like he was working actively let's say very courageous to have a pride flag very much um he was yeah. i know some of my friends and uh maybe you have also got to know him like ali malikov uh the a queer activist he was inspiration for all of us for his actions you know as a person 
Uh, and there were one case, there was one case uh, where when a woman was killed after she got married, she was trans woman, by the way. Um, he promised uh, to, to one of my friends, queer activist Ali Melikov, that I promise you no one is going to die any soon from our community. And uh, it was quite hard when I heard it from my friend as well that, you know, I know like no one's gonna die, Ali, like pull yourself up together. And later on, he was like, you know what, Ayla? He told me the same. And that's what hurts me a lot. And I keep thinking who's going to be the next victim then. And um, yes, Avaz was the one who was murdered by his uh, 20 year old cousin. Um, and according to, to the news, according to the, uh, what I have, what I've been heard is that, um, his cousin was drunk uh, and he had some personal issues with his cousin. Uh, and uh, later on, just because one of his colleague, like journalist colleague wanted to see a bus, he went to the, to, the, to the place where the scene had happened, where the accident had happened. Uh, and he saw that his head, like a little bit um, cut it, stabbed, and also his, um, sexual organ was cut it uh and this was a his huge penis cluster yes penis was cut off and it was very very um like it's hard for painful for me even to to talk Absolutely. about it it's so sensitive I'm topic for, for all of us um all in all like of, what do you make of uh reports that uh, this possibly could have been uh, ordered by the government and they used this cousin as a just someone that would actually carry it out. Yes, uh, I definitely uh, wanted to mention this, uh, this thing as well that, you know, these things, unfortunately, are not the first things that we have faced with. And uh, as I said before, just because Avaz was the one uh, who was speaking up a lot and who was uh, taken to the police station a lot. He, he suffered a lot. We knew that um, um, he was looked like he was looked for. He like they, they were something. Yeah, yeah they, they were watching him and they may have done something to him. That's why all the time during the summer, I remember I had never seen uh, people like coming alone to to cafes where we are with or they were all the time walking together because they were afraid that something will happen and unfortunately it's not already assumption it's already obvious that uh, the the government the state has a huge responsibility on what had happened to avas because um as i said like uh, it's not about like they are all the time, the state all the time does this, either to put you in a prison or uh, seeing uh, just, you know, just put in some sparkle that I haven't done anything. His relative had an issue or he's a drug user or she's a dealer or everything like they're just blaming, putting a putting something on it, on them, um, blaming to show to the society that, yeah, they they were killed, but because um, they were LGBTQ plus community. They they are drug users. They they have issues with their parents. Uh, they are not right at all. Uh, that's why they have been killed. So be afraid 
and be away from them. Yeah, it's a setup, basically. Yeah, because activism is not the thing that um, my country is um, are like positive about it. Right. Now, let me ask you this. Um, Azerbaijan and Turkey are allies. Do you um, feel safe being in Turkey and being so outspoken as an activist? Uh, yeah, they they look like these two countries looks like look like each other a lot. And uh, let, to 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 be more specific, I can say that the activism had started in in Turkey uh, even before. That's why. That's why now, if you find your community, if you look for them, you find them, and they are way a lot compared to Azerbaijan. In Azerbaijan, we all know each other almost. We like it's that much small um, surrounding, let's say. However, in Turkey, they're a lot, and they're from uh, from different parts of Turkey. Not like, for example, I'm in Istanbul, but I know a lot of people who are defenders of uh, LGBTQ plus uh, rights, feminism, and so on. However, uh, when I was firstly, when I came here for the first time, it was so hard for me to, to, to just say my words, you know, because still people are afraid from the state, even in Turkey as well. I mean, not to mention even, it's the same, uh, almost the state, same mind of people um, who are controlling both countries. And, um, uh, people afraid to speak up, but if there are people who speaks up, they really do, just like in Azerbaijan. Yeah. If you're just joining us, this is The Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. I am your host, Vic Jarami, and you are listening to my interview with Azerbaijani anarcha feminist and activist Ayla Ahmadova. Let me ask you this. Um, uh, President Aliyev, Azerbaijan's president, uh, tries very hard to portray to the West that Azerbaijan is this very tolerant, even though I don't like that word, but tolerant, open sort of a, a society that doesn't discriminate uh, against its minorities. It's this big image that he tries to put out there to uh, most of the world, especially Europe. Um, uh, what do you think about that and the sort of the, you know, the, the this this fakeness of that when it comes to the way that his own people, the LGBTQ Azerbaijanis, are treated. Um, so, you know, Azerbaijan is a very small country. It has just ten million people uh, population. So, like, and uh, as a politician, Aliyev tries to work for both sides. He has two choices: either Europe or Russia, and uh, it's pretty much obvious that um, after like Soviet Union, we still uh, stayed belonged to Russia. Uh, in other words, to Putin, I don't want to say Russia because people are living there, but I, I have a problem with the presidents of, of them. So um, in this case, Aliyev has to show them that, um, yeah, people really are choosing me. I'm not a dictator. I'm not a. I'm. I'm not the one who's who wants to stay where where I am. I'm the one who was chosen by the people because, um, as a country, it has been. Um, Aliyev works, like works so much to attract tourists from Europe because he has to. Um, he has to earn 
their reputation even more from other countries. Uh, and since Aliyev, um, if since Azerbaijan is a very small country, it works for him to get the benefit of uh, whatever the European uh, Union or the Europe can do for them, those countries can do for them, the benefits. Um, that's why uh, he tries to look good. Even sometimes, uh, as you, if you're following the recent news from the like from the 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 war between Russia and Ukraine, you can see that before he was not put in any sanctions. Uh, he didn't even put any sanctions on Russia. However, later on, he agreed to have a protest, like that Azerbaijan, Azerbaijani people were supporting Ukraine. They were screaming no war and Slava Ukraini, everything. And there was no one who's going there. None of the police were going there and taking them, grab them to, talk, to go to the police station. So and this was show. so it's funny. A it's a show because a show he has putting to... On. To, yeah, because he has world. to show to the world that, you know, I'm doing something and my people are doing something. But just because I am a small country, I cannot put sanctions on, on Russia. But it's to show off. On the other hand, as I told you, Avaz was the one who was um, defending uh, LGBTQ plus um, rights. And again, the police was the one, uh, like Avaz was one, and polices were five or six who are coming and taking him. You know, um, what kind of protest we can say that he would have agreed to? It's just a show off that he always tries to imply for Europe. Yeah, absolutely. Let me ask you this. Um, what would you and uh, the LGBTQ community would want the world to know about what's happening in Azerbaijan uh, to the LGBTQ and certainly women sort of play in this too. I, I think it's kind of a fight for, for in, in many countries, it's very, um, uh, they're kind of a team. I think I'd like to think that in some places women have it a little bit better, but uh, it depends on the nation. What would you like the world to know? What would you uh, or do? even a call to action. To call the action? Uh, what would you want them to do to help? Hmm. Uh, that's that's a nice question to, to think about. You know, we, we all always too much focused on to, to destroy the patriarchy all in all. Our goal is the same, but how I can, what would I do? If the question is what would I do or how I would call them? Uh, for for um, it's just to observe their surrounding because patriarchy isn't everywhere is everywhere in, in my country and unfortunately in the world and if they would clearly start to uh, observe like it's not very hard action to do and but the main action the core action starts from there when they see that their rights. Um, um, their rights, um, how to say? They're being discriminated. Yeah, they are being discriminated. They are harassed. And what a, what kind of um, bully, bullying problem they are facing with in general life, when they're at home with their fathers or with their um, even mothers, like it, 
with with people around them, how they discriminate them, whatever, what actually this disturbs their hearts when they think that people are doing to me, they're discriminating me just because I'm woman, they're discriminating me just because I'm hom homosexual, um, and so on. If they will start to observe themselves, then they will, and later on, if they will try to find their surrounding, we are all around, we are everywhere. We just, that people just need to open their eyes and see us that we are always ready to help each other. Yes, we I are mean, a global community, truly. definitely. Later on, later on, when we will get together, we'll grow up even more, we'll get more and more, then nothing, I'm pretty sure, will be able to stop us from anything. You know, queer people worldwide are rising up. Uh, it's just in different nations, we're at different levels, you know. Uh, I think uh, some of the Scandinavian nations really led the world. Netherlands, Sweden, yeah. uh, Denmark, Belgium, Finland. Uh, and uh, it took the rest of us uh, slowly to catch up. Uh, I don't think there's any country that's quite there yet, even 100%, even in the US. Uh, some of our hard earned rights that we fought for for decades uh, were diminished uh, under the Trump administration just a few years ago. And now yeah. we have to rebuild again. And, so I think um, we, we do as uh, human beings, as activists to, and also as LGBT activists have a responsibility to each other throughout the world that we don't say, oh, I got my rights in my nation, forget about so-and-so. Mm -hmm. I think, um, as you said, there should be an awareness and we should know that the that there are so many nations that are, you know, struggling with the very basic, like I think where Azerbaijan is, is where the US was perhaps in maybe the 60s or the 50s even. And we, we've got to help each other to get to that point because I just, when I think about what a queer person in a nation the, that's under discrimination, sees on social media and how freely uh, other gay people or queer people live in, in wherever, I, it just breaks my heart because you, you see that all day on social media, but you can't have a pride, you can't have a parade, you can't go out and be who you are, whether you're trans or uh, you know, non-binary or et cetera. So, um, and I commend you for um, you know, being an activist. And I think you are doing that, you're saying, just because I'm, I'm a straight woman, I'm not gonna yeah. stop there and just fight for women's rights as a feminist, but also my queer uh, brothers and sisters. Um, lastly, I, I wanna talk about someone that I've interviewed and I think he's doing just an incredible job and that's Mohamed Mirzali, uh, who's Azerbaijani, as you know, he's a, a great activist. Um, does he give you guys hope too? I hope, I'm sure he does. He that does. He yeah. does. I do not have a direct uh, connection with him, uh, but as far as I know, as I've heard, he does. And um, to talk about the, like, I'll connect all those things um, for me, that for me, the social media actually has a good part 
to become a hope for people. You know, when we say that, how can, what would you do? It's like, my actions can start after a person feels the hope inside of themselves, right? So uh, the people who are like from other countries that we see that other, my uh, friends, uh, my sisters and brothers see from other countries, they start to get that hope. Sure. And uh, from their work, just like me seeing how Avaz was working, how Avaz was defending, how, um, for example, um, Muhammad was doing for, for them, how supportive they are within each other, like they are all together. And uh, that unity, you know, that being together gives a hope to them. That's why whoever is with us, whoever uh, is walking with us together, we all the time, um, it's not appreciation, we all the time feel proud with ourselves, like all in all together that we are able to got together, unite. That's why I'm, even though I don't know that person, like in, in person, uh, I have a lot of respect, whoever are on the action, who's doing the action. Sure. Just like I, I do for Avaz. I mean, what an inspiration to do what yeah. he did. You know, very few people are, are willing to put themselves, uh, he put himself, he risked his life. And unfortunately, uh, he paid the ultimate price. Um, and I hope that no one, not just Azerbaijanis, but no one uh, around the world uh, forgets that or forgets what he did and what he sacrificed uh, and hopefully paved the way uh, for more freedom. You know, it's a process. It, it doesn't happen overnight, but we've got to keep fighting uh, to get there a um, little bit at a time and resist, resist the inequality, resist the discrimination, the bias, the... Uh, the double standards and, and, and all of that. If you're just joining us, this is The Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. I am your host, Vic Jarami, and you are listening to my interview with Azerbaijani anarcha feminist and activist, Ayla Ahmadova. Ayla, is there anything you'd like to add uh, before we go? Any, anything I should have asked you that I didn't? I will conclude my speech with, um, I don't know, how many people will listen to us? How many people um, will get something from, from our talk? But at least whoever listens will listen to this um, audio or this from through, through I don't know where, from, from radio, from maybe radio. the board. Yeah, from the radio. I just want them to literally believe in their activism if they are already activists. Because sometimes we lose our hopes, when, especially when we lose our friends, when we see that people around us are struggling uh, with the same problem, that, with the same aim that we are looking for. However, there are some struggles, there are some barriers. And uh, I just want facts. them, yeah, and I just don't want them to lose the hope inside of them. Uh, and I want them to get friends to, to uh, enlarge their surrounding because sometimes, yes, we do lose our hopes, but we have friends to look at them and to get even more stronger, to get inspired and get from other stories very much stronger. I am proud of um, Azerbaijani feminists and LGBTQ plus right defenders, right activists, the queers that I'm really proud 
all of them, whatever the actions that they are doing, because they are my inspiration. I am here, I am talking with you because of them. I am here, I'm strong and I'm fighting for destroying all of those barriers, bar barriers, the struggles because of them. And I'm sure they appreciate it. And just to add to what you said, you know, for whoever's listening who might lose hope because there's been this really terrible setback, the murder of, um, of us. Uh, listen, in the US, the, the first major event for the LGBTQ rights was in 1967. In Los Angeles, it was called the Black Cat Riots. Uh, yeah, and uh, although people think that Stonewall was the first one, it wasn't. Stonewall happened two years later in New York at the Stonewall Inn, which again was a major crackdown on, on queer people by the police. And there was a resistance. And after that, it was a, a very violent struggle for queer rights. Um, uh, up until the 70s and then of course in the very late 70s and early 80s with HIV and AIDS there was a huge setback because a lot of homophobic people um, took the opportunity to weaponize HIV and AIDS and to once again uh, demonize uh, gay people and that was a huge setback and of course uh, on top of that the LGBT community especially gay men were dying so rapidly so that movement in a way slowed, but in a way it also took to overdrive. And that can with Avaz's uh, murder. Um, and we've had other setbacks after. We had <clears throat> in the early 90s, uh, the don't, don't Ask, Don't Tell was passed, which was not good, um, which meant that if you admitted you were, you were queer in the military, you would uh, be dismissed. Then the Defense of Marriage Act was passed, which was another terrible thing. Uh, in 2008, after having uh, five months of uh, legal marriage um, in California, where we uh, were, could get married because of, at the time, uh, Mayor Gavin Newsom, Proposition 8 was passed, which took away our rights to marry. And that was a major setback because here we had 10,000 plus uh, queer couples married in 2008 that the law passes then then makes it illegal to get married. So, <clears throat> but what the, what the community did was they went into overdrive and from 2008 uh, fought and fought and fought until state by state by state, we were able to get marriage equality. And of course in 2015, we got full marriage equality on a federal level. Um, and, uh, and of course, then Trump came and took away a whole lot of that. Um, Trump came and undid a lot of uh, President Obama's work, took away um, trans people being able to um, serve in the military. You get my point. Point is um, the struggle for freedom and equality has obstacles, has setbacks. Some of them are, are just very um, tragic even, uh, but we just keep going and we are a global community to support each other. Um, Ayla, thank you so much for um, uh, not just being on the show, but being a friend to the a queer community. I shouldn't say friend, I think you are one of us. You're like in our family of- I people. am. <laughs> we, just want, we just all want the same thing, human rights, <clears throat> equality, and respect. Uh, and I'll finish with this. Um, I forget who it was that said this, but someone said, uh, 
that ultimately LGBTQ rights is one thing and one thing only, and that's the right to be average. Yeah. Right? It sounds very simple. It's we want to be average. We don't want special rights. We don't want anything different or more. We just want to be average. Um, So uh, we'll leave it at that. Um, Thank you again. Uh, Good luck with your studies and, uh, and hope you're safe. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, that was my interview with a very courageous Ayla Ahmadova, who is originally from Azerbaijan. She is a feminist, an activist, and a great uh, ally to the LGBTQ community. Um, and this was, uh, this was a very important interview. Uh, thank you so much, Ayla, for your time and for being on the show. And uh, good luck to you in your future endeavors. <laughs> Before we go, I'd like to thank my producer, Ricky Herrera, without whom this show would not be possible, and KPFK, the station that brings you unfiltered and commercial-free news, opinion, and hopefully some inspiration. Thank you for joining me today on The Blunt Post with Vic. Tune in next Monday at 6 a.m. for another episode. For more information, please visit thebluntpost.com. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Vic Jarami at V-I-C-G-E-R-A-M-I. Thank you. The Blunt Post with Vic.